Uh, this is the Starting Up with Virtue Zone podcast. Uh, you can listen in to us live each and every Thursday between the hours of one and two, uh, where I'm joined by the team from Virtue Zone to give you advice on how to get started up, whether you be an SME, whether you've got ambitions to become a startup, whether you've just got a few problems with your company at the moment, this is the place to go to get your answers. This week, we tackled a few issues, none more so than the issue of food wastage. Uh, we know it's an issue year round, but specifically during the holy month of Ramadan, where we see more and more food wastage. Two organisations looking to address that, Thriving Solutions, which was founded by Seta Tudunjian, uh, and Herogo, founded by Daniel Solomon. Both of them joined us live in studio uh, to speak to myself and Neil Petch, uh, the founder of VirtuZone, about how they hope to make a difference with regards to food wastage here in the region. Also this week, we spoke about the challenges of emiratisation. A lot of companies looking at emiratisation, the new quota system, trying to avoid fines, uh, but see it as just a box that needs to be ticked, uh, as we found out uh, from Danish Heidri, the founder of Jobs for Nationals, a platform that has been set up through VirtuZone itself to address this issue. There are no shortage uh, of Emiratis uh, and a huge talent pool out there that can benefit your organisation and, of course, also grow it here in the region. Interesting conversation uh, between Dinesh, myself and Neil on that subject. And in fact, Neil was around to answer a few more questions that were doing the rounds. New news from VirtuZone with regards to financing your organisation when you are starting up. And also a look to the issue of AI, artificial intelligence, chat GPT, very much to the fore. Two reports out this week suggesting that the outlook of jobs in the future could be very different indeed. That's all right here on Starting Up with Virtue Zone. This is the podcast. Starting up with Virtue Zone on Dubai I 103.8. Starting up with Virtue Zone each and every Thursday. Uh, between one and two, an opportunity for you to get the answers that you've been searching for with regards to your startup, your SME, your business concerns. Why? Well, basically because Virtue Zone have the answers. Lots to look forward to throughout the course of this afternoon. As I said, we'll be focusing on all things uh, Ramadan, the problem of uh, food wastage uh, during. Ramadan, plus uh, in the company clinic a little later on, uh, amortisation very much to the fore. We'll be talking to the team from Jobs for Nationals. So if you want to get some advice on how to meet your amortisation targets for your organisation, big or small, then we will have the answers for you. Before all that, though, we're looking at some of the big talkers uh, of the week for all the, from all the team uh, at VirtuZone and, of course, the SME market as well. And to that end, I am, of course, joined by the founder of uh, VirtuZone, uh, Mr Neil Petch, who is alongside us. So, a busy old week, Neil. The sun is shining, we are making hay, and my lord, there's no better place to be, Tom. Ain't that just the truth as well? Uh, lots going on uh, at Virtue Zone HQ at the moment. Not a week goes by without there being some sort of development, and this week has been no different. You remember that a couple of weeks ago, right here on the show, um, uh, Neil and myself spoke uh, in person to the team 
from Wio Bank as well, the first digital bank here in the UAE. We're obviously banking very much to the fore at the moment uh, in the world's news. And good news coming from VirtuZone this week uh, that the company formation and corporate services provider have teamed up with UAE-based digital-only business bank Mashrek Neo uh, to introduce a feature that will enable SMEs to open a bank account in one click. It reminded me when I read this story, Neil, of our conversation with the team from Wio, and I know you guys have got a relationship with Wio already. Is this is this so, is this a solution to one of the problems that a lot of SMEs have found in the past of trying to get a finance, but b an all important bank account? Yeah, Tom. Here's where we are. Once you've got your company set up, there is no better place in the world to structure and run your business. No more tax efficient place. No more place booming more than this region. But getting it set up bit of red tape. And perhaps the biggest bit of red tape was getting your banking, opening the bank account. And then once you've actually got the bank account, getting access to funds. So we've been trying to solve it together with, you know, the the authorities are driving this, are pushing the banks to be more strategic uh, in it. But when you're a huge oil tanker, looking after this very precious commodity that makes a lot of money and does a lot of great things for very large organizations. It's difficult to build something for the small startups. That's the problem some of the banks have had. What they're trying to do to get around that is use digitization. And that's not just for banks, it's for everything. WIO is a brilliant example where they've built that from the ground up. And we had the chief uh, operation officer and an experience officer talking about that. But Mashrik Neo actually are one of the leaders leaders in, 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 in this field. And what they've done with us, which I think is, is, is you know, one of the most annoying things, you can tell someone that's lived in the UAE for a long time, because they know their passport number and their Emirates ID <laughs> by heart, because they've filled it out a 1000 times. Why do you have to do that? Why can't you put all your documents, your DWA bill, your passport, your birth certificate in a safe somewhere, and then you give someone a virtual key to it, so that all that information pre-fills the forms. And that's what VirtuZone and and Mashrek have done. So it's much, much faster to actually set up the account. And the second thing is that that situation, that sort of black hole where you're like, I've given you all the data you want. Why can't I have my account open now? What are the questions that I still need to answer? And that's very frustrating for customers. So we try and solve that by, you know, working much more closely together, getting all the fields. People don't mind providing 100 different uh, data points as long as they're told all at once. So that's that's what this joint venture is about. And it means people get bank accounts faster and, and more specific to their business. So it's not just getting the account open, but being able to transact. When we spoke to Wio, and I, I like the Wio model because obviously, uh, you know, one of their sort of subplots is the fact that they are the first dedicated digital bank mm. here in the uh, the UAE um, with big, you know, big focus towards SMEs, getting people up and off the ground and started. And therefore, that partnership with VirtuZone makes perfect sense. Mashrek is a more established bank. It's a traditional bank in our better understanding of it. You know, days were back in the days that you would go down to a Mashrek bank branch um, queue in line and wait for a teller to be on the other side. Obviously, they've now breached out into digital as well with this yeah. new venture, Mashrek Neo. Do you think we'll see more banks doing this? Well, firstly, 
Tom, you know how I hate to pull you up on things, but Mashrek Neo is not completely new. They they have been trying to innovate for some time. I always liked the slogan, Avis, we're number two, we try harder. Uh, why? Because they weren't number two, they were number three. And secondly, you know, you've got to try harder. Virtue Zone's the same. We used to compete with the free zones, now we support them. And we were competing with someone that obviously the raw material, we bought for a lot more money than them. That forced us to be very good at service. Mashrek, same thing. Mashrek wasn't the size of some of the other banks, but they had to innovate. They've done it really well. And I'd actually like to give a shout out to another digital bank, Yap. Yap, the yep. opposite of pay. Yap it, Tom. Now, Yap are partners with Emirates Development Bank. Emirates Development Bank, Abu Dhabi, are tasked with providing loans to the startups of, of this sector. So that's an example of the government getting behind the startup sector and using a digital bank to actually make that come, come into practice. So right across the board where you know consumers have got more choice and they're definitely able to set up their bank accounts faster and actually the fastest expanding division of, of my whole company is helping people on board and get their bank accounts open. Let's turn our attention to some other stories that are doing the rounds at the moment. Uh, you don't have to go far to find stories aplenty when it comes to um, uh, all things artificial intelligence uh, and are very much at the top of that. Well, it's much like, you know, when we're talking cryptocurrency, the other one people talk about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, they go hand in hand uh, or tongue in cheek at the moment. In terms of uh, AI, it's AI and chat GPT, and both have been in the news. Why? Uh, first and foremost, uh, Mr. Musk and his mates have penned a letter of concern. Some of the biggest names in tech calling for artificial intelligence labs to stop the training of the most powerful AI systems for at least six months, citing profound risks to society and humanity. Unprecedented in many ways. Tech calling for a slowdown in tech at the moment. Uh, but that comes off, hot off the heels of a report by Goldman Sachs economists as well, suggesting that as many as 300 million full-time jobs around the world could be automated in some way by the newest wave of artificial intelligence that has spawned platforms like, dare I say it, ChatGPT. Why is this interest at me and Neil? Because just a couple of weeks ago, we were sat around this table with a fascinating fella at the other side of it, the founder of the Evans Median Group, uh, Ivan Zeljkovic, uh, from Serbia originally. In fact, he is the uh, Serbian host of Serbia's Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Well, he's fast on the way to becoming a millionaire if he's not there already because he set up 14 companies here with the help of VirtuZone. And it's 14 companies that are featured around or centred around ChatGPT. This is him telling us how, telling us how ChatGPT can help your businesses. Uh, I, I'm, I was just writing an email today now, and obviously because I'm not a native speaker, as you can hear, uh, I need my, my mails to sound more professional. So I write my email, put it in ChatGPT, and then say, oh, sound sound more native than I am originally, you know. Yeah. Then, oh, sound my, more professional. Oh, or uh, sound more like this and that. And this is one obvious use. But in the media industry, it's a revolution. Mm. It's a revolution because uh, writing uh, uh, scripts or announcements uh, for the radio guests on what not i'm sure that uh, that uh, uh, that your team is uh, heavily using it so i really really feel that uh, it is the revolution on a scale tectonic scale uh, which is you have internet or you don't have internet today is you have and use 
AI or not use AI. This is the scale of the event that happened on 30th of November last year. And it, uh, it, uh, ChatGPT needed only five days to reach one million users. Mm. And then uh, Facebook needed two and a half years. Mm. So Amazing. what are we talking Two points here, Neil. One, uh, those harem and scarum reports we're seeing coming out in the last couple of days will cause concern for people about their existing jobs, may even prompt them to go out on their own and set up their own venture, which works for VirtuZone. But equally, the concern about ChatGPT making your skills redundant during the future as well. What's the VirtuZone house take on this? Yeah, what I would say is that there's, there's two attitudes. We have the same thing, actually. Should we reveal all the information about how to set your company up on our website and have our competitors copy it? Or should we, and, and, and obviously we're worried about that sometimes, we want to protect our IP. But on the other side, you want the consumers to have access to all the information. You've got to go with the latter. You've got to be confident. You've got to want to be an opinion leader. And, and so in, in this particular case, I think that the this is the start. This is like the internet's just been invented, in my opinion. It's, it's that exciting. So don't say it's too late. It's not too late. Don't think, oh, my gosh, my job is, is threatened. Because if you do this right, firstly, obviously, I'm talking to, to entrepreneurs here mainly. You've got an opportunity for your company to do things better for their customer than you've ever done. If you do that, you'll get market share, you'll get margin, and you'll be able to invest more in your staff. Your existing staff, if you're training them how to use this, because AI, look, every man and his dog is probably jumping on this at the moment. Mm -hmm. There are 25 million people using this every single day as Ivan mentioned they've got you know uh, Facebook took two and a half years in two months they got to a hundred million users it's crazy how fast it's it's going on but a lot of people are jumping on and doing simple things it's how you brief chat GPT it's the intelligence that you put into it that sets you apart so you need humans to do that you still need humans to direct these machines to train them the machines learn faster than anything else but they only learn what you tell them to mm. learn it's a good point uh, well made and one that was echoed a little bit earlier on uh, in fact here on uh, Dubai I win a 3.8 we spoke to Oscar Orlena Haider uh, of Robert Walters Middle East he again reiterated exactly what Neil was saying there innovators are still the humans we also asked him about the time frame how far down the line are we looking before chat GPT starts to make a real difference when it comes to jobs that market cap number was 2030 um, I think it might be sooner. I think it might be end of you know, 28, 29. That's when we're going to, all of us around here, every sector that we've just spoken about, will have a, a daily interaction with these AI tools and, and robotic sort of prof professionals as well. So get your head I around think, them. Yeah, basically, yeah. Understand them. Yeah, ad adapt, overcome, and, and get on with it. That's don't, the upskilling of today, yeah, isn't it? Absolutely. Understanding Anyone, those. Yeah. Whatever age, whatever profession, like absorb it because and, and, it's, it's here to stay. Here to stay, as are we as well. Uh, we are going to take a little bit of a breather, uh, but stay with us because coming up on Starting Up with Virtue Zone, we will be uh, tackling a few of the problems that come with the holy month of Ramadan. One of the big ones is food waste. We might, though, thanks to our next guest, have a few solutions for you. 
This is Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone. Business set up with no regrets. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Neil Petrie is alongside me each and every Thursday, one through till two, uh, as we team up to uh, try and answer some of your questions when it comes to setting up a business here in the UAE. Basically, Virtue Zone have the answers for you. So you can start afresh and be your own boss. Right, Neil and I are now getting to know businesses that are coming together to fight the problem of food waste right here in the UAE. Uh, And what better time of year to do it than the holy month of Ramadan? Did you know that the average per capita food waste in the UAE is 2.7 kilos every single day? During Ramadan, up to half of our food goes into landfill. Uh, businesses say it's time to put a stop to this, none more so than the businesses run and set up and created by our next guest. Uh, Seta Tutunjian is the founder and the CEO of Thriving Solutions. Uh, Seta, thank you so much indeed for joining us live here in studio. Thank you. Pleasure. Just before we go any further, 30-second elevator pitch, Thriving Solutions. What are you setting out to cre- to create a solution for? So we are setting up to help uh, businesses in the food sector reimagine their food processes to become more circular. Daniel Solomon is also joining us here in studio. Dan is the co-founder of Hero Go. Uh, now, Dan, my uh, five-second take on this is you take ugly vegetables, uh, ugly vegetables, and you make them look beautiful as well. But what's the official elevator pitch for Hero Go? Thanks for having me, team. Uh, my name is Daniel Solomon, and I'm the co-founder of Irogo, a food tech platform that reduces the cost of food while fighting food loss and food waste and taking produce that look not perfect and making them look beautiful, like you said. Making uh, the n- imperfect look perfect. Quite right. Thank you, Dan. Listen, Daniel, let's start with you. Um, obviously, we are in the midst of the holy month of Ramadan. Why is the problem of food wastage, and I've just h- hinted there, that this is a year-long uh, problem that we're dealing with. But why is it worse during Ramadan? I think it's uh, so many reasons, but just to kind of keep it short, it's, you know, it's we eat a lot of food during this period, uh, and there's a lot of other food outlets that also offer different kind of food. So we all love food, so we want to eat a lot. And in that time, uh, we waste a lot because we ask for things that we think we need, but we don't really can't finish them. Um, so this is just behavioral uh, issues, and that's why usually uh, this does occur. Um, obviously, this is a holy month. Uh, we're all, um, you know, uh, participating. Um, but when it comes to that time uh, when we need to kind of break the fast, uh, a lot of times we might have a lot of surplus food. Uh, so the goal is, you know, how can we reduce that? Um, taking into account uh, also cultural norms. Uh, we love to share a lot um, in this region. Um, and, you know, because of that, we have surplus food. So mm. it's, it's, it's how do we make sure that those food that are on the table uh, don't get left behind when we cannot finish them? What can we do with them to make sure that we find value from them before they're going to the landfill? Yeah. So, but Daniel, let's uh, let's come back to the ugly thing because everyone likes a good conversation about ugly. <laughs> we had Brexit a few years ago, and and one of uh, the Brexiteers' main things was, "Oh, bananas should not have to be a certain <laughs> curvature and a certain yellowness. Save ugly bananas." And and let's face it, the more organic you are, and the less pesticide and less preservative, the more likely you are to to go off. Right. So beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Correct. So tell us exactly what what's the process. What, what are you doing? 
I think uh, when we talk about the ugly, I think at this time, a lot of us, uh, you know, just we don't understand it. We, we, we think, what is ugly, right? Um, and it's because it's also been marketed as a nice word that we all want to use. Um, but the ugly problem that we talk about in the food uh, chain, it's about produce, which are perfectly good food mm. um, that just have different shape. Yeah. And sometimes they might also be too small or sometimes they might also be too big. And sometimes, you know, a farmer could just have surplus of them. Uh, and that's the ugly definition of produce. So your business is two sides, educating the consumer that something that looks a little bit out, out of the norm is going to be just as tasty, and, and then presumably getting access to, to this product at, at a better price so you can pass that on. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, when you take the produce that you're saying that looks not like what you would typically find in different, um, you know, outlet and you take them to your home uh, and you're finding out that, you know, they, they're just the same. They just don't look like what I'm used to. And I'm actually having to pay up to 30 percent to 40 percent cheaper. Uh, this is good for me. But if I get to understand that I'm also doing good for the planet, it's a win win. Right. Uh, and this is and what's your commercial model? You're giving you're giving to the environment. That's great, but what's the commercial model? So we say a year ago, it's save food, save money, and save the planet. Uh, the, the most important thing is making sure food never gets to the landfill, regardless mm. of how they look. Um, second is making sure that you, as a customer, um, you reduce your cost of buying produce of up to thirty percent, and making sure that you know it, it doesn't go to the landfill. Where we come in is we work with local farmers uh, and importers. Um, why importers? Because up to 80% of produce are currently being imported. And you also have a lot of change in demand that occurs in that uh, supply chain. Um, and this is where we come in to take the surplus produce, take the ugly produce, uh, change in demand. And customers come on our platform, would subscribe and get them delivered to their home. Uh, on free of charge uh, with no delivery fees. Awesome. Yeah. Jen, I've got good news for you. Two things. My daughter is going to organize an Ugly Wednesday. An Ugly Wednesday, we're wow. only going to have vegetables that are a little bit out of the shape. So, Kira, you've got to organize that. Secondly, yes. at uh, Virtue Zone, we just uh, helped uh, Unison Capital set up, and it's a fund and it invests in exactly this area. So, so it's the same, same for you. After the show, let me know. I'm going to pass on the contact details. It's a Japanese, Indian, American fund specifically looking to invest in these areas. You mentioned landfill. They've just started Ideation 3 in India, which Modi is briefing. There are huge landfills, as you can imagine, in India. And suddenly it's become gov government strategy where they're actually being paid to get rid of those. So your companies are just perfectly timed, in my opinion. In fact, we can do the changing of details now because we're going to take a little breather very quickly uh, because we want to find out a bit more from Setter about thriving solutions and the solutions they're providing. Obviously, continue the conversation with Daniel as well. Uh, they're here live with us in studio, uh, live on Starting Up with VirtuZoom. Back in a second. You're listening to Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and VirtuZone. Business setup with no regrets. On Dubai Eye 103.8. 
Yeah, talking Emirati talent ball in just about 10 minutes' time or so. In the meantime, though, we're tackling the problem of food waste with two organisations that are doing exactly that. Uh, Daniel Solomon is the co-founder of Hirogo. Uh, they take ugly vegetables, sell them at much lower prices. And also joining us uh, is the founder and the CEO of Thriving's Solution, Thriving Solutions, who advise companies on how to decarbonise. Seta Tadunjian joins us live in studio. Seta, not only are you the founder and CEO of Thriving Solutions. Also, the co-head of the Global Food is Never Waste uh, Coalition around the globe. In terms of the advice, I and mean, when we've just heard there from Daniel about the you know the issues during Ramadan of buffets, large buffets at hotels, companies are now signing up and inviting hundreds of people to their iftars and their sahurs as well. Uh, is it is the problem to do with organisations? businesses, corporates and otherwise? Or is it to do with the individuals? I think the problem is to do with everyone. So you start from the government in terms of policies and regulations that incentivize or disincentivize waste. Then you move to corporations and individuals. And it's the awareness about the problem. It's having a mindset to target the problem. Like globally, we say the best approach is target measure act. So we need to have targets in place, whether on an individual basis or on an organizational basis that we want to reduce our food waste, either because from a food security perspective, from a natural resources perspective, from a climate action perspective, because 10% of global greenhouse gases are from actually food waste. And then this target sets your ambition. So you start looking around. So for organizations that are setting these buffets, if they have a target in mind that they want to reduce their food waste, then they would tackle the whole organization and what they prepare in a different manner. But then also for individuals. But the next important step after targeting is measuring because you cannot manage what you don't know or what you don't measure. So by measuring, you understand what's the waste that you have, why is it happening, where is it happening? And from this perspective, you can actually devise targeted interventions that can help you really tackle the issue effectively. So which is the last measure, which is you act upon it. And then in the acting, you have different things as Daniel is dealing with the redistribution. But when we look at the food loss and waste hierarchy, we start with prevention. So the organization as a first step has to take measures to prevent that waste or loss from happening. But then you redistribute it. And then there are different repurposing with the waste that is not safe for human consumption to be redistributed. You can valorize it to bring value to it in other means. So can I ask, uh, for me, consumers now as individuals are trying to do quite a lot. Daniel, we were talking off air about what our children are doing and, and so on. They're educated. So we're all trying to do things as, as individuals. Large companies, the emirates of this world, are definitely planting forests and so on. Perhaps there's a gap in the middle, the smaller companies that feel perhaps they're doing something individually, but as a very small company, they don't feel they can contribute. How does your organization help the smaller companies do something efficiently that makes a difference, um, but you know, commercially makes sense? So from a commercial perspective, it has been proven, for instance, for retailers that for every dollar they invest in reducing and managing their food waste or food loss, it's a $14 return on investment. The same for the food service industry. It's $7 for each dollar. Can you give me an example here in Dubai that you've helped with? 
So we we started recently. What we're working on more is on the policy side. So we're working now, for instance, on updating the guidance tool under the international protocol and standard for measuring on how to quantify your greenhouse gases mm-hmm. as companies, but how to quantify it for UAE uh, companies because the conversion mm-hmm. factors differ between the UK, the US, the UAE. So this guidance is going to be once issued, is going to be okay. open access and available to everyone. And it would advise them which tools they can use from the tools available and how they can use it. I mean, Tom, I think, you know, this is this is something we can develop in future shows because we've got funds wanting to develop. Mm. We've got people such as the two of you trying to make a difference. We've got, did you know that we've got friend of the show, Ian Fairservice, oh, yeah. Steve Williams, Neutral Fuels. Now, you know, some of the biggest culprits perhaps are the biggest companies, McDonald's. Mm. So Neutral Fuels, which we should get on the show, Definitely. they're collecting all, all the used uh, oil and turning it into biodiesel. Mm. So they're giving the first carbon-free, I believe the right expression is, uh, uh, biodiesel fuel, of which 40 million litres get used every year. So it's happening right across the board. So guys, if you're looking for something to invest in, yeah. this is this is definitely an area. Mm. To that end, and obviously we're in the year of COP28 as well, and I just want to get your ideas, both of you, of the opportunity that is COP28, not just to forward your own theories and your own uh, vocations with the organisations that you set up. But would it also be an opportunity with greater interest there to convince uh, governments for more support, to convince funds for more support? Is it an opportunity for growth for your organisations, Daniel? Yeah, I definitely think it's an opportunity because a lot of people would put this maybe in their priority list in terms of what you're working on when we talk about sustainability um, and creating more frameworks that will support future growth. Um, and why I really love the UAE that is a place to be in talking about food loss and food waste. You know, there's a national initiative called NEMA that it's addressing this, you know, and you know when there isn't. Uh, an initiative, you know, set out. Uh, of course, it's not just one-off thing. Just you know, for COP, um, it's going to be something that it's addressing food waste and cutting food waste by 2030, making sure that there is no waste uh, and preventing it. And I think that's really great. Mm. So, uh, but more bringing every stakeholders around the world in one place. I think it's a great opportunity to you know take some of those case studies, you know, the mm. working in different parts of the world. And also, you know, what is working in this region, because this region is also very unique. So we need to, you know, tackle things that are very pressing, uh, such as food waste and food loss, which is 8% of uh, total greenhouse gas emission as a priority of something that we talk about. And COP is a great stage uh, to, to talk about that. Seta, same question to you, COP28 opportunity? Yes, definitely an opportunity. We saw even an opportunity with the COP27 being in the region and in Egypt, our region imports more than 80% of its food. So for the first time in COPs, number 27, we say we saw food way, food in general having a pavilion. We expect to see the same in uh, this pavilion here. The UAE is... Uh, one of few countries who have very strict targets on reducing their food waste and their national determined contribution. They have a 50% target by 2030, which has been communicated to the Secretariat. So, yes. Well, hopefully we will all meet again at COP28 a little later on this year, uh, somewhere, somewhere, that's for sure. Uh, listen, before we go, Seta, if people want to find out more, if companies are listening in saying, yeah, I need that advice, I need that help, how do they get hold of Thriving Solutions? 
So online, we're at www.thrivingsolutions.earth uh, is our domain. And uh, they can also follow us on our social media platform on LinkedIn, where we also provide tips to retailers, to hospitality uh, industry on what kind of initiatives they can take to reduce their food waste. Can't thank you enough for coming in. Thanks very much indeed for your time. And Daniel, same question to you. How do people find out more about the Here I Go? Please follow us on uh, Instagram. It's Mina. And uh, on our website is herogo.ae and we'd love to know more and learn from them. Good to meet you both. Thank you so much indeed for joining us live here on Starting Up with VirtuZone. Next up, though, we turn our attention to all things amortisation. This is Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and VirtuZone. Business set up with no regrets. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Yeah, get your questions in, get your thoughts, your comments in. Reach out to the team at Virtue Zone, who are posting uh, online during the show and answering your questions straight after the show online as well. Just reach out to Virtue Zone. They are basically uh, across all of your digital platforms and answering those questions. Right, let's turn our attention to the final topic of the day. Uh, and it is a huge one, of course, the topic of emiratization. And how fitting that big story coming out in the last 24 hours. Uh, yesterday, Dubai launching an initiative to create an ecosystem for the development of digital applications in the Emirate and nourish uh, local talent. Create apps in Dubai. An initiative of the High Committee of Future Technology Development and Digital Economy was launched by none other than Sheikh Hamdan bin Mohammed, the Crown Prince of Dubai, yesterday. It's a scheme that aims to turn Dubai into one of the world's most attractive destinations for business opportunities by 25. Train a thousand Emiratis in partnerships with private sector in the Emirates. That's just the latest initiative and a long run of initiatives as companies grow. One of the considerations here is growing their Emirati talent pool. UA companies required to increase amortisation and skilled jobs by 1% every six months while remaining on track to achieve the overall 2% target by the end of the year. Uh, to share some advice on how to get started, we welcome into the studio uh, Dinesh Hydri, the founder of Jobs for, Nash, uh, for Nationals. Dinesh, thank you so much indeed for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, Ramadan Kareem to you. Same to you. Um, okay. I suppose the first thing for Neil and I to address here is some of the great misconceptions out there. There will be people listening in going, oh, yeah, I've heard about this. I've heard about the quota system, etc. What type of companies need to hire Emirati talent? Are there, those that, are there those that do and those that don't or not? Well, I think all companies um, need to hire Emirati talent sooner or later. Um, it should be um, part of their um, talent strategy. Um, and you know the the misconception is that free zone companies don't need to hire it, but you know we've got free zone companies on our platform that are looking for UAE national talent. So um, you know to answer that question, I think everybody need to consider this. And you know we we get a lot of companies coming in, and they want to hire talent yesterday. So it is a process. It's not going to happen overnight. You need to invest in the branding. You need to invest in building your brand equity. Um, you know, promoting your culture, values, all of those nice things to attract UA national talent. And uh, talent attraction is the biggest part uh, which leads to the successful amortization drive. Neil, is this one of the problems you're seeing at the moment, that people think that it's just going to happen overnight for them and they don't plan accordingly? Yeah, actually, I want to twist the mindset uh, uh, where instead of talking about it as an obligation, look at it as an opportunity. Yeah. Um, you know, we like to think of ourselves as a world-class company, but one that 
you know, acknowledges local sentiment. And because of that, we're better at actioning things. So if, if you have Emiratis working for you, who by definition are going to understand how things work better in your queue, you're going to be a better company. Mm. And if you're trying to create the right situation for them, and the fact that they are demanding as to the insurance that you have and so on, that's good. It makes you better. It means that you're going to recruit better right across the board. Yep, absolutely. It should be part of uh, um, every organization CSR. And, and so it's not, and again, I suppose, and just pick up on Neil saying there, it's not just ticking the box for your company to ensure that you don't get fined. It's, no, no, no. It's developing the talent that you're bringing on board, but developing your brand as well. Absolutely. Look, the Gen Z is a very different mindset than what we have seen in the past. The new generation of talent that's hitting the job market is switched on. They want to know what is it in for them to join your organization. They want to know what their career development looks like, what their career path looks like. They want to know uh, if they're being competitive with expats. You know, I've I've heard stories in, you know, career fairs at, at universities where people, uh, you know, Emirati graduates would go in and ask companies that, you know, you know, we don't want, uh, we want a level playing field, you know, don't just give us a upper hand because we're Emiratis and, you know, give us a preference, but we want a level playing field. Mm. So the Gen Z that's hitting the market is coming with a very different mindset and they are career driven. Um, and, you know, that opportunity needs to be created by organizations Um, because it will lead to the growth and nourishment um, of companies and and the individuals. Ticking the box, Tom, is like standing over a toilet throwing £10 notes in in the toilet. You don't get a return on your investment. Looking for the right people, being proactive about it, using companies such as Jobs for Nationals, this way you can plan, you can get people that fit the right uh, uh, thing, and you can move your company forward. Mm. To that end, uh, and again, Dinesh, you set up Jobs for Nationals. You, you you saw that there was something in the market there. You were organisations that needed help, needed guidance in this one. Are there certain things that incentivize Emiratis to join a startup these days? Because tradition would have it that Emiratis want to work for government. Yeah, yeah. So that is, um, is still true. Uh, government jobs are still preferred, but we have um, and we're seeing a shift towards multinationals or we're seeing a shift toward private companies that have a structured approach. So that structured approach includes, you know, being transparent, being visible, promoting your brand, your culture and your EVP, your employee value proposition um, to uh, job seekers that are looking for career opportunities in your organization. So the more transparent you are, And, you know, nobody's going to come to your office and ask you to spend a week there before they apply to your jobs so that they can understand the culture and the vibes and if they can get along with people and the workplace, have a look around. So everything is digital. And this is why we created the Jobs for Nationals platform so we can digitally help companies attract informed UA national talent. And by informed, I mean, you know, promoting your culture, your branding, your videos, your employee testimonials, uh, you know, your workplace images, that's huge. And your employee value propositions, you know, what things do you offer? Um, So, you know, companies like P&G, companies like uh, McDermott, companies, uh, you know, we've got some major companies like Nestle. 
that are doing all of those activities on the platform and trying to attract that kind of talent by promoting those things. Mm. Danish, can we ask how many people do you have on your on your database? How many potential? Over 30,000 Emiratis are registered Amazing. on the platform and okay. it is online so you know that database keeps uh, how increasing. How many uh, customers, active customers do you have that are accessing we, that? We so by active customers, you see the customers who run campaigns um, are irregular because you know everybody has a different recruitment drive and requirements. So you know, for now, I can tell you there will be about twelve to fifteen clients on the platform mm-hmm. that are actively promoting their yeah. jobs. Um, we also introduced the concept of virtual amortization career fair when the COVID started, okay. mm-hmm. um, because you know, and, and we found out that when you take it virtually, that was the only opportunity when you can bring together UAE national talent across the seven emirates and from overseas, including people of determination, because they join virtually, they connect with employers virtually, uh, regardless of where they are on the planet. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of companies. We have got a virtual career fair in May. So a lot of companies so there are you go, signing Tom, up. That's an opportunity. Mm. Thirty thousand national. That's that, that's a big database, and there's only twelve to fifteen companies trying to access that. So instead of ticking that box, go and find the best people. How do people do that? We're going to wrap it up here uh, now, Dinesh. How do people get in touch with fa- with Jobs for Nationals? So they can go to the website. That's jobsfornationals.com. Um, that's the easiest way. There's a contact information there, uh, or they can just sign up, register online. As soon as they complete their employer registration, we'll get in touch with them and we'll walk them through the process. Can't thank you enough for joining us. Thanks so much indeed for your time. And Neil, of course, if people want more on any of these topics and, of course, more, they just contact VirtuZone. Yeah, is that right? And I want to say thanks to Danish. 12 years of VirtuZone customer. <laughs> just found that out today. Congrats <laughs> and thanks. You're welcome. A yes. loyal customer. And still smiling as well. Exactly. See? Still smiling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Neil Petch, thank you very much indeed for your time this afternoon. Uh, Rich Hito, Virtue Zone via their social media platforms. Uh, or, of course, tune in next Thursday from 1 till 2 for another edition of Starting Up with Virtue Zone.